This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everybody. I am Freddie Bell, and welcome to New Beginnings. On the show this weekend, we welcome Dr. Anthony Fauci, recently retired from the NIH. He'll be talking about yet another new strain of COVID-19. Two experts are also lurking around the corner, Leibel Sternbach and Joe McKenzie, talking finance and career, respectively. Plus, we celebrate our national day and our words of the wise. All this and more up next on New Beginnings. Joining us now is Dr. Anthony Fauci, the former head of the NIH, recently retired from that post. He's advised presidents on COVID-19 and joins us right now. So, Dr. Fauci, welcome back to the program. Can you tell us where we are with COVID vaccinations and boosters right now in January 2023? Well, it's a variant that has emerged rather rapidly, which means it has a transmission advantage over the variants that were in place when it first entered into our society. It started off less than 1%, then went to 1%, and then went up now with an average throughout the country of about 40% of the variants are this XBB 1.5. In certain regions of the country, the Northeast, for example, it's as high as 70%. It has some characteristics that we know of and some that we need to wait to see how it plays out. What we do know is that likely on the basis of its ability to bind to the receptors in your nasopharynx, that it likely transmits much, much more efficiently than the existing variants. Remember, we had BA 5.4, and then we had a few other variants that were all Omicron-related. This seems to be now superseding them. That we know. So we're going to be seeing, and we already are, an uptick in infections that particularly are true for a number of reasons. A, the inherent increased transmissibility of the virus, the fact that we're entering into the colder months of the late fall and early winter. We're just coming out of a holiday season where people tend to aggregate and congregate indoors. So we're going to see an uptick in infections. What we're also seeing is a bit of an uptick in hospitalizations. Now, what we hope happens is that the delta or the ratio between the number of infections and the number of hospitalizations hopefully stays at that lower level that it has been throughout Omicron compared to Delta, which we had over a year ago. So right now we're in that zone where we're hoping that we don't see a major spike in hospitalizations that lead to an increase in deaths. That's the reason why we're telling people the obvious messages. Get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated. If you look at the number of infections, hospitalizations particularly, and deaths among unvaccinated people compared to people who are vaccinated and boosted. And remember, Omicron is a virus that really requires three shots. You know, you need your two shots plus the boost. So the people who haven't been boosted, and remember, we only have 68% of the population have been vaccinated. One half of them have received a, a, a single boost. And the thing that I find very disturbing is that the updated BA 5, 4.5 uh, variant, the, the 5.4 variant that we have, the new updated vaccine has been, of the people who are eligible to receive it, somewhere like 14% of them have received it. 
We've got to do better than that. And it's understandable that people are fatigued. We've had three years now where literally now this week in the United States, the realization of what was going on in China, we're now entering the fourth year Mm -hmm. of that. So it's understandable that people are exhausted, but there are things that you can do to protect yourself and your family and society. It's not only about vaccine. It's about prudent wearing of masks, mm-hmm. not mandating. You say right. mandate people, you know, it's, it's radioactive and they recall. But when you're in a crowded indoor setting, particularly when you're having an uptick of a new variant, it just makes sense to wear masks. Also, getting um, tested when you're going into a situation where you might being exposed or exposing family members in an unknown situation, a dinner or a social gathering, good ventilation. There are a lot of things that we can do to help protect us from what might be another surge. And where are we halfway through this flu season? Well, we're not out of the flu season. We're not out of RSV. Uh, However, thankfully, what we've seen is a peak early and coming down dramatically, particularly among RSV. Got to be careful with RSV. You could have a secondary peak, but it certainly is not on the vertical rise that we saw a month or more ago. It's turned around and come down. That's a very serious disease, particularly for young children, five years of age and younger, and the elderly. And you know, for a while there, the pediatric hospitals were stressed with regard to the number of available ICU beds, which not only is difficult for the children who have RSV, but for the children who have other diseases that need intensive care if the beds are all occupied. That has been alleviated somewhat by the fact that we've peaked and come down. The same with the flu. If you look at the CDC's website on FluView, we saw for a few weeks going up in an almost vertical way. Over the last couple of weeks, it's plateaued and is starting to come down. Got to be careful because we've seen patterns where it's up, down, and then it comes back up again. Particularly, right. and millions of Americans were hanging out with one another over Christmas exactly. and New Year's. We were all at airports, train stations, bus depots, and the like. So we probably should be cautious until we see Absolutely. numbers all through January. Absolutely, and that gets to the situation that we spoke about just a moment ago, Major, where... When you're talking about common sense hygiene and public health measures, that if you go into a crowded indoor congregate setting and you wear a mask, you don't compel to wear a mask, you wear it because of good judgment. You're protecting yourself not only from COVID, but also from RSV and from influenza. A simple thing like wearing a mask in a congregate setting. Thanks for the update, Dr. Fauci. Appreciate it. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and Happy New Year to all of you. And joining us right now from AARP Minnesota is Mr. Jay Hapala, AARP Minnesota Fraud Watch Network, and he is the Community Engagement Director. Jay, good morning and welcome back. Hey, good morning, Freddie. Thanks, and it's always good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. And uh, we're into this new year and uh, has a commitment to safeguarding fraud for your members and those across Minnesota changed any as we go into the new year? Well, whether you're into New Year's resolutions or not, it's there's no better time than right now to make a commitment to how you and your family can stay safe from all of this fraud, because really the industry is exploding with fraud and identity theft and, and scams. 
you know, we won't have the statistics from 2022 for a few weeks yet, but I can tell you from 2019 to 2021, which is the period of time for which we do have statistics. And now I'm talking about before the pandemic to the middle of the pandemic, there was an increase of more than 300% in the amount of money reported lost to fraud and identity theft. So in those few short years, we went from $2 billion, which is a lot of money to be losing to these criminals, to almost $6 billion in, in that time period. So there's no reason to believe we're headed in any other direction than more and more losses due to this fraud and identity theft. You know, that's a daunting uh, statistic. And I'm wondering, do you have a, happen to have a short list of what we can do to protect ourselves and our families this year? That's why we're here today. So uh, let me just talk about the AARP Fraud Watch Network. So this is a program we run because we know people are concerned and they need information to stay safe from all of these scams. So what we do at AARP, we operate a helpline where people call and report scams and they can get some help from us. But also we collect all that data and information so we can alert the public to the latest scams and how they can stay safe. So I'm here today with you to talk about my best tips for how people can commit to staying safer and protecting their loved ones in the new year. So I can start with number one, if you're ready. Sure, let's go. Let's go. So number one, I recommend that people monitor your financial account. So this is where you have consumer protections. If you're looking at your bank account, any of your financial accounts, savings, investments, for the most part, if you report an unauthorized charge to your bank or your financial institution within a reasonable amount of time, you're not going to be responsible for that loss. Hmm. So that's the first thing I recommend for people to focus on is monitor the financial accounts that they have. All right. What would be your second tip? Number two, check your credit report. So this is how you find out if someone is using your identity to gain access to credit or someone else's money. So if someone stole your identity and opened up a line of credit, this is where you'd find out. And the website is important to remember. It's easy to remember. It's annualcreditreport.com. So don't just go online and search for free credit reports because there's a lot of imposters out there. So instead, go right to annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com. We're talking with Jay Hapla about how how to some tips on how we can Uh, Take ourselves right now to protect ourselves and our families against fraud in the new year. We've gone through tip number one, monitoring your financial accounts. Number two, check your credit report. What's tip number three? Yeah, this is what we call covering all the bases. So if you're monitoring your financial accounts, if you're checking your credit report, which you can do for free three times a year, then the third step to take to cover all the bases is to pay attention to the method of payment you're using. And I recommend always use credit card, debit cards, personal checks, and automatic bill pay as much as you can because that's where the consumer protections are. Now, scammers, they want to get paid with gift cards and wire transfers and cryptocurrency, cash, and peer-to-peer payments like Zelle. That's where the scammers want their victims to be paying because they lack the consumer protections. So instead, I recommend always using your credit card, your debit card, personal checks, and automatic bill pay as much as you can. Jay, it still baffles me that people use gift cards as a method of payment for their utilities and uh, the regular routine payments. That's just amazing to me. So that's step number three. Step number four. Yeah, so a couple other tips of how people can stay ahead of the con artists is one, you can sign up and stay up to date with the latest scams by getting our AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts. 
and folks can sign up for those at aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And finally, I'll say, don't let your family and friends be isolated and on their own against these criminals who are targeting us. So the more we can talk with our family and our loved ones and the people that we trust about financial decisions, we'll all be better protected from fraud in the new year. All right. What's that telephone number again if we have more questions or concerns about fraud or attempted fraud? Yes, people can call us toll free. It's 877-908-3360. All right. Jay Hafla, can't thank you enough for being with us. And I know I said it at the beginning. Happy New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year. Hi, everybody. As we continue in our healthy segment on New Beginnings, we want to talk to you a little bit about your teeth. 90% of what people know about flossing, for example, is wrong. Brushing only reaches the exposed surface of a tooth. We all know this, but you can use tools to get at the hidden part of your teeth, like water flossing or an interdental brush. These are the small cylindrical brushes that you can push between your teeth. You've seen those. 90% of people floss the wrong way, that according to the dental experts. Swiping once between your teeth with a slippery floss doesn't do very much. You might get some food debris out. But bacteria and plaque really cling to your teeth below the gum line. So it takes maybe 5 to 10 up and down swipes below the gum line of each tooth to really dislodge it. The experts also say that the kind of floss you use is critical. I like the woven kind myself. It really seems to grab the plaque pretty well. The experts say that your toothbrush is probably too big, too hard, and too old. You need a small brush with extra small bristles. A small head is easier to maneuver in your mouth so you can reach all the tooth surfaces. A soft bristle won't harm your gum lines as much. It's recommended that you replace your toothbrush or the head of your electric toothbrush once a month. Now, when you buy your toothbrushes in bulk, the experts say they're much more cheaper than if you purchase a toothbrush one at a time. And what about the electric toothbrush? They say that it'll probably get your teeth cleaner. This is especially true for older folks whose plaque is stickier and more difficult to remove with the manual toothbrush because we produce less saliva. Now, this is really interesting. You don't need an annual dental x-ray. Most people don't need new x-rays any more frequently than every 18 to 36 months. Some dentists order them routinely every year But it's a knee-jerk reaction, and it's really not the standard of care. Ask your dentist about this. X-rays are expensive and expose you to radiation, and that there are other ways to spot cavities. If your dentist orders them more often, be sure to ask them why. And another way to make sure that you're cutting down on the cost of your dental care and to make sure that you have healthy teeth is to snack smarter. It'll lower your odds for cavities. Crackers and pretzels made with white flour, sugary foods, and candy feed bacteria, which produce more acid in your mouth. Nuts, healthy meats, and a cup of green tea are better choices. Just trying to give you some ideas on how to live a healthier life, and especially as we give you some tips today on how to take care of your teeth. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast.
You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Libel Sternbach. Libel is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel, welcome back to New Beginnings. How are you this week? Hey, my pleasure. How are you doing today? Unbelievable, and I'm intrigued by our topic today because I, I want to find out what to do first when we're talking about your Social Security benefits and your retirement account. So that's a big question. So what do you think is more important, sir, having a large bank account or a large Social Security check? That, I think, is a great question, right? And I think that it really ties into a fundamental kind of approach to retirement. So the question that you're really, that that really is thinking, right, that that the question behind the question or the thought behind the question is, if I have a large bank account, then I'm in control of my retirement. If I have a large social security check, then I have a large guaranteed income in retirement or, and we should put quotes around that, right, the guaranteed income in retirement. Um, But that, you know, I have this large amount. And so I don't necessarily need that much to tap into, into my retirement savings. And, you know, which one is better? I think it, I think it really varies from person to person. Um, but at the end of the day, right, the question isn't, you know, which one is better? The question is, which one's going to give you the life that you want, right? Is it going to be having more guaranteed income or is it a larger bank account? Because at the end of the day, they're both going to get converted into the same thing, right? And if you're happy trusting the government that the money will always be there and that they're going to inflation adjusted and you trust them, to control it or you trust the insurance company, right? Because there's no difference between social security and a private in, uh, insurance company, or there's not many differences, then you really got to ask yourself the question, how are you turning your money into an income stream in retirement? That's the question. Do you want to take on that risk or you want someone else to have that risk? I know uh, I got all these answers floating around in my head as I'm contemplating the question myself. So Libel, take us into your boardroom. Take us into that meeting where you're sitting with a person who's responded to your web information and they're saying, okay, now I'll get this opportunity to talk to Libel Sternbach. So when you're meeting with these people, you're in this private meeting and you're preparing for retirement. uh, How do you help them to figure out number one, do they have enough money? Uh, Number two, when should they file? And then number three, where should they take their money from? What's, what's the atmosphere like first of all? And then can you answer those questions? Yeah, so so let me answer that atmosphere first, because I think that's probably the most important. Um, The and something that I talk about a lot is that you know there's a lot more to life than the dollars and cents. And when you're looking for a financial advisor, you want somebody who you know hopefully you're going to have a relationship with for the rest of your life, right? So. More important than anything is that you get along, that you trust them, that there's a rapport, and that you both see the world with the same lens, right? There needs to be a shared vision of reality because we do, you know, to a certain extent, all live in our own a reality of our own making. So we need to have the same shared opinions, the same shared viewpoints. Now, mine may be a lot more, you know, detailed because I'm a geek and I, you know, this is my my world. And so I know all, you know, where all the shrubs are and where all the light switches are. But we both need to have the same outlook as kind of, you know, what the future is going to look like. Um, having said that, right, you know, 
what what the environment is and what the relationship is like, it's a collaborative one, right? We are on this journey together. Um, I may be doing this journey with, you know, lots of other people, and I have seen this journey a lots of times, so I have the benefit of experience. Um, but we are both going through this together, right? And this is going to be a unique journey, you know, that is yours individually. Um, no two people are alike. No matter how many similarities there are between you and your neighbor, right, you are not going to have the same experience. You're not going to have the same retirement. It's, you're not going to have the same finances, so when it comes to the answering these questions, right, of do you have enough money to retire? Uh, you know, what's important to you? When should you take Social Security? What should you do with the money? Which accounts should you spend first? The question first becomes, well, what are we trying to do in life, right? Well, what are our goals, right? How much money do we need? What is What are the things that are important to us? Let's figure that out. And then let's back into how do we make that a reality, right? Because... I have enough tools in my toolbox that I can help, you know, most people accomplish their goals, regardless of what their resources are, right? It's very rare that I tell someone you don't have enough money. I more, I might tell them, well, you're going to have to do this, or you're going to have to do that in order to make it work, right? Or maybe we're going to have to find a slightly different way of accomplishing those goals. But the truth is, is that most things are within reach of people, right? So the question is, is, you know, we take a look, with fresh eyes and we say, okay, what is our reality, right? What are the resources we have? What are our concerns? What are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? And then the conversation always ends with the same thing of me telling them, listen, I don't know the answers to these questions. I might have an inclination of where we should go, but until I go through and I, you know, actually run the numbers and I actually do the analysis, I don't know. And you don't know what the right decisions are. So let's do that. Let me prepare your retirement as if I was, you know, doing this for you as if I was retiring, right? Let's go through and map this through from start to finish. And that will tell us, right? We should have at the end of that analysis with the, at the end of that, we should have steering, glaring, obvious answers of what we should do. The question of, should we take social security early or late? It should be obvious, right? If we, what accounts we should take our money from, that should be glaringly obvious, right? And that is the goal, I think, of every single financial plan is to make the decision so, so simple and so stupid that you'd, you don't have to even question whether they're the right decisions because it smacks you in the face that it's the right decision. That's really interesting. Everybody, Bible Sternbach with us, and we're talking about, of course, your money. So I'm just curious, when you go through this discovery process with the folks in front of you, are they, do they, do you get the sense that they may have already figured out that this might be the right strategy because they've been living with this situation and they, they see the money coming in, they see the money going out. And then when you lay it out for them in black and white, that it, it is as obvious as it may have seemed in the first place. So what I often find is that people are very aware or most people are very aware, and I should say it's the more money people make, the less aware they are of what their expenses are, right? So that's question number one. Like, what, what is their lifestyle? And no matter what people tell me, I usually pat it because what happens when you stop working? You have time on your hands and you want to do things with it. So um, <laughs> we need more money in retirement than we anticipate. Right. Uh, so the most people have a decent idea. 
Okay. And they'll tell me outright, right? These are my questions. These are the things that I am not sure about, right? And so we'll look specifically at those questions and try to answer them. But the, in answering those questions, the only way to answer them is by answering the fundamental questions, right? The things that we've taken and made assumptions about, like, should we take Social Security early or late? Or, you know, how much money we need to retire? Or how much, what percentage of our savings we can take each year as income, right? Uh, and then there's decisions or questions that people haven't even asked. Like, a lot of people aren't aware of RMDs and how they work, right? And so they may not have thought about how that impacts the retirement. Um, taxes, Right. A lot of people know how much they're paying in taxes this year, but they don't know how to anticipate what their taxes are in retirement. So uh, when it comes to things like that, right, I'll come in and I'll help them answer those questions. And then in answering those questions, we'll uncover other questions, right, questions that they didn't even know to ask um, or opportunities that they weren't even aware of. Um, I had one client come to me, a guy had, you know, like, $2 $2 million in his accounts, and he was doing great. He was managing his investments. He managed them since the 60s. Um, the guy was doing really great for himself, except that he was doing his trading in all the wrong accounts. So he <laughs> no. was paying, he was literally paying tens of thousands of dollars in taxes that he didn't have to be paying. All, all he had to do was switch which accounts he was doing the trades in, right? He, if he, if he took, you know, the trades that he was doing in his IRA and he did it in his, in his taxable account and he took what he was doing in his taxable and put it in his IRA account, he would have saved tens of thousands of dollars in taxes. His, and his accountant never told him because he didn't have an accountant and most accountants don't give that kind of advice. Um, and it just, that's something me as a financial advisor, as someone who's seen, you know, a thousand accounts and has gone through this experience, I look at your tax return and I see that right away. I'm like, this line item shouldn't be there, right? That we want that to be zero or as close to zero as possible. Let's fix that. Um, and so those are, you know, kind of the insights that I give people. And when they see that, they're like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even, you know, think about that. And what's funny is that those things have an impact on whether you file for social security or not. Right. You may be making an assumption of, oh, my taxes and retirement is going to be, you know, ten thousand dollars a year or five thousand dollars a year. or It's going to be zero. And that may not be the reality. It may be less. It may be more. So you're talking about streams of income and how to get there in retirement and to make the process as painless as possible as you're trying to set up the, the plan. And I apologize for going down that tributary, but it just I wanted to get into the mind of Libel Sternbach and, and create that atmosphere for what people should be anticipating when they talk to someone like you. So talk about the strategies then, Libel, that you would recommend for a retiree who wants to create that income stream from their accounts. Yep. So so the strategies that, you know, kind of the levers that you have to pull, right, is Social Security. When you when are you going to take Social Security early or late? Uh, pension if you're lucky enough to have it. And then you have, you know, how much money are you going to take from your your retirement accounts? And when you're taking and and your retirement accounts are, you know, you got taxable, you know, so you're traditional. And then you got your Roth, right, which are not taxable. And then you have your brokerage accounts, right, which those are taxable sort of, right? And those three accounts, when how much you take and when you take and what you take first, those are really important. Because sometimes you want, you know, some of them, you want them to delay and grow as much as possible. Sometimes you may want to transfer, right, from your traditional to your Roth accounts. So you have more tax-free income later on in retirement. 
um, because taxes are going to be your biggest worry or your biggest expense in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the order in which you take that money and where you take it from is very, very important. I, I mean, I, I probably spent most of my time helping people figure out a distribution strategy rather than an, you know, like an accumulation strategy, rather than, rather than figuring out how to get the most amount of money out of social security. It's more about how do I get to keep the most amount of money so that I can have the most amount of money over time in retirement. Um, some rules of thumb, right? Just some rules of thumb. So you can walk away with something is number one, right? You want to reduce your traditional retirement accounts as much as possible because those are going to have required minimum distributions. And the way required minimum distributions are set up is that it is a escalating amount. It's designed to deplete your account by time you reach, you know, it's like 110 or 115. It's supposed to be zero at that point, which means that every year the amount that Congress requires that you take out increases to the point where at some point you're taking 20, 30, 50% of your account value out every single year. And you do not want to have any money in your retirement accounts by the time that Congress is telling you that you have to take 20 or 30% from your retirement accounts. Because if you have money at that point, nine times out of 10, it's going to put you into a much higher tax bracket. Not always, but a lot of times it will, right? So you want to make sure that you're depleting that um, at an aggressive rate, but not at at a rate that's so aggressive that it puts you into a higher tax bracket. Libel, we're just about out of time, and uh, let's see if I can get an agreement with you that we can come back and discuss this at a later time, because this is so interesting, and I know that based on the text we're getting, there are a lot of questions from your audience. So what would be your final thought? We have about 30 seconds. Final thought is, is you need to have a decision-making process for how you make these decisions, right? Because whether it's to buy a new car, whether it's where to take your income in retirement, whether it's, you know, whether you, you do a Roth conversion or not, you need to have a process for making those decisions and you need a way of knowing how it will impact you today, tomorrow, and long into the future. And that is something that we help our clients do. I really highly recommend take advantage of our free tax water analysis. We'll go through, we'll kind of show you our process for doing that and help you make those decisions. Whether you work with us or not, you're going to walk away with an action plan that you can implement today. For more information, visit yieldsforyou.com. Yields, the number four, the letter U.com. I'm Freddie Bell and more New Beginnings is straight ahead. Here are today's words to the wise. Say yes to life. Today's words to the wise. Say yes to life. For these wise words and others, visit Amazon.com and search Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. We'll be right back on New Beginnings. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. You are listening to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell, and happy weekend, everybody. I'm so glad that you're with us. And right now, we want to help our baby boomers, and that's what our show is all about. And to help us in the career segment of our program is Mr. Joe McKenzie. He is a co-host on New Beginnings. We focus on careers, and the name of his company is Ripple Connects, and Ripple Connects helps to turn candidates into contenders. Welcome, Joe McKenzie. Thank you, Freddie Bell. How are you today? Unbelievable. How do you turn candidates into contenders? We turn candidates into contenders by giving them the insights, the skills, the techniques to find good jobs for themselves. And that specific technique is asking good questions in an interview. I didn't say answer good questions in an interview. 
I said, ask good, compelling questions at the beginning of an interview. Mm -hmm. That's a technique that Ripple Connects clients, when we turn them into contenders, boy, they start talking about what day one of year two looks like. They start talking about how am I going to be measured for success after year one. That's just one technique that we help our clients turn into contenders. We turn our, our clients into contenders by looking in the hidden job market. So we can find those unadvertised opportunities to thrive. So we, we have those bench of advocates that uncover and really alert us to opportunities where we can thrive. Those are just two examples of how we do that, Freddie. How can our audience reach you, Joe McKenzie? Two ways. RippleConnects.com is my website. Gives anybody a good opportunity to see how I've helped impacted people in their careers. Or they can call me directly at 763-438-1621. And Freddie, you know what? I return everybody's calls because it's the right thing to do. And as you turn those candidates into contenders, let's discuss how organizations are competing today. Yes. To find that missing piece in regards to new employees. Yes. To help their organizations drive success. How does that take place? We live in a competitive environment. The Twin Cities is very competitive. Look at all the look at all the corporate headquarters. Look at all the people companies that are doing worldwide business activity. We need those organizations need the best. And they're looking a lot of times for that missing piece. You know, maybe it's that customer service that department that's just not not excelling where they need to be. Maybe it's the accounting department sales um, the, the process or IT, those are the missing pieces that organizations are looking for. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't think that we're the missing piece, but we are. Freddie, you've been a part of organizations that you've driven success, agreed? That's right. That's right. We were who they were looking for, correct? That is right. That is right. So absolutely, you know, those organizations are looking for those pieces. They want to win that Super Bowl in the corporate world. Four or five years ago when the Denver Broncos went out and got Peyton Manning in his later 30s with with a bad neck, why did they go out and get Peyton Manning? He was the best, and they I believe they thought that he could give them the best opportunity to win. Absolutely. And what, what happened when they when they brought him on? What, what was the outcome? Uh, I think it was a Super Bowl championship. There you go. So he was the missing piece that they needed. They had a great defense, but they needed someone to guide that offense. Mm-hmm. And when we start thinking about ourselves as that missing piece and in our own acumen and our own experience, especially the baby boomers, we bring so much insight. We bring so much context of, of, of where this, where an industry's been, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Boy, Peyton Manning would walk up to the line and know exactly before he held Omaha what he was going to do, right? That's he right. looked across the line because he knew it was going to happen. As baby boomers and Gen Xers, we can see a lot of things that are happening. We can dodge. We can avoid. We can see opportunity to bring an organization forward because we've been there. And that's the missing piece a lot of organizations are looking for, that savvy, that, that, that veteran experience, to use a football term, that's going to guide that organization to success. How do you help your clients to understand and have that confidence and know that they are the missing piece for an organization? That is a great question. And that's one of the things that we do work with our clients and we drill down on their accomplishments. As Minnesotans, we don't like to talk about ourselves. We just say, well, I was doing my job. Boy, but when we start talking about what they accomplished, how many customers they supported, how, how they improved 
this process or how they improve the bottom line and we draw that out as a Ripple Connects team, they start to realize what they have accomplished. And that's that confidence piece that now they shop that those accomplishments and they start seeking out organizations that need that. I know I worked with someone that was with a company for well over 20 years and they worked with a Fortune 500 company and and we talked about when they first started wor- working with them, they were at about $5 million in sales a year. When this person was done working with them five, six years later, they were doing $10 million annually in sales. Wow. And this person was supporting and making sure all, everything was going forward in a sales capacity. Think about that, Freddie. Is that not an accomplishment that that next organization who wants to be a competitor and to succeed is looking for? I would say, yes, that's a major accomplishment. That happens every day in the Twin Cities. When we help our clients to realize the impact they've had, yes, many times they were a part of a bigger team, but still, you think about that individual and how they brought it all together, how they were there for it, how they drove that success, how they watched the, the, the you know, the, the small details to make sure that things happened, the accounting, the, in this case, it was, you know, the sales volume. That was the missing piece. For this person's new organization. So that's what you mean when you're talking about uh, d- uncovering your transferable skills. So you may have been a really great success where you were or where you're transitioning from, but can be an even bigger success to where you might wind up. Absolutely. That that next organization may need you at more than you can ever imagine. I know personally, when I entered the nonprofit, my selling skills allowed a nonprofit in St. Paul to grow their employment partners. I tripled it in about a little over two years. Wow. They were hiring people full-time with benefits. They, they never even imagined that they get to get to that point. I wanted to know where they wanted to go. And that was just an arbitrary number. I went out and used the same sales process I used in the office equipment industry to drive their success. And today this organization, I'm no longer with them, but that employment service program still has those employment partners I brought in. So I was that missing piece for that, that department. Wow. And I realized how much impact I have because I know a lot of people that are employed today because of my, my business development activity. We're talking about uh, understanding how you can be an organization's missing piece for success. So as we look at this, how does someone wanting to make that job change, Joe, learn about opportunities that they can put themselves into to be that missing piece? It's very difficult to read job descriptions all day long and try to figure out what that organization needs. You can get clues from that. They will give you clues and you're looking for, you know, what, what area of the company they're looking for. But sometimes it's better to try to figure out from internally or someone that knows of that competitor, that industry, that's going to give you that insight. You know, this, co- this company is losing clients. They cannot retain clients because they don't have a, a robust customer service um, platform to work from. And then when you bring that all together and if, you, if you're in that space, if you worked in that space, now you know why that organization needs you because you're that missing piece. So it's it's a dual. Job descriptions are tough to find those 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 clues, but you can find some of them. But really, it's talking to others in that industry and why is this company struggling? Why why are they going out to hire this person? And that's probably your best plan is to to um, 
really set yourself up by success by getting the word out on what you're looking to do and start asking good questions of the people you know. That's it was very apparent that the De- yeah, the Denver Broncos needed a quarterback. Right. It's not always apparent that company ABC is looking for a customer service manager or a sales manager, an IT manager. That takes some time. You're going to have to use LinkedIn. You're going to have to use your connections. You're going to have to have conversations. Everybody, we're talking with Joe McKenzie. We're just about out of time, Joe, but what are some actionable steps, maybe one or two, that someone can take right now this weekend to to bring about or to begin to learn about and uncover those new opportunities to drive success in an organization and to be that missing piece? Well, first of all, realize that your successes can translate to other companies. It's it's yes, you were doing your job, that's what you were getting paid to do, but start to realize, start to reflect upon the impact that you had and quantify your accomplishments, much like the example I gave in this program about that person who drove sales with a Fortune five hundred company from five million to ten million. And then start realizing those conversations are with others in your network in that industry are going to help you get some clarity. Job descriptions are tough to figure out what they need, but they will give you clues. All right, Joe, we got to leave it right there. And you do some fine work at Ripple Connects, I can tell. Yes, we do. We turn candidates into contenders. Thank you so much for listening to New Beginnings. And now it's time to give you some information on the lighter side. Should you decide to treat yourself to a steamy cup of Starbucks hot chocolate this winter, here's a tip. You'll enjoy it more if you take it home and pour it in an orange mug. Cream colored will do too. That's the conclusion of researchers who decided to test how color can alter the way we enjoy a beverage. They had 57 people rate samples of hot chocolate that came in red, white, orange, and cream cups. The samples were all the same, and while participants did not report a superior sweetness or aroma among any sample, they did describe the drink in orange and cream cups as more flavorful. I'm just curious, who do you think has the best hot chocolate? Do you want to make your vacation seem to last longer? Be sure it has plenty of variety. According to the Wall Street Journal, one of the reasons your vacation seems so short, both during the experience and in your memory after the fact, could be that your days are so similar to each other. In your memory, they blend together into one very long day rather than a week-long vacation. On your next trip, try to make the days more different from one another. If it's a ski trip, for example, try snowboarding one day, take a lesson on another day, or just change your ski equipment from time to time. You could take a day off from skiing and go sledding or meet the locals. Even if you end up on some days doing activities that you enjoy less at the moment, like bowling, for example, the ability to differentiate that day from the other days will help you to categorize a vacation as a series of distinct experiences rather than one big glob of skiing. It'll let you get more joy from the memory of those experiences. And in Scotland, a thief sent a message to his victim. Pay a $1,000 ransom and you can get your gaming system and games back. There was just one problem. The burglar forgot to include instructions for dropping off the cash. Just for fun this weekend on New Beginnings. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the senior minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. Now we turn to our other window, 
life. We more commonly speak of that as affirming, making affirmations. That is, seeing what in our life we wish to build up. We wish to give our attention. We understand that God provides divine substance or essence to build these new opportunities into actual manifest or expressed realities in our life, in our world. So that cutting-edge thinking that Reverend Groverland shared with us, I think has to do with our always being willing to let go and release and take up the new. That's cutting-edge, vital, creative thinking, because we're willing to let go of what we may have known before and take up the new. Rudolf Steiner had a wonderful statement to students of his, applies to students of unity. And he said, a real truth student that wishes to courageously move forward in life must stop ever saying this. Carlotta, I've never heard that before. I don't believe it. Tyler, I've never heard that before. I don't believe it. A willingness to say to life, I've never heard that before. Tell me more. Let me build an understanding. Rather than instantly shutting down because of our habitual thought, just because you've never heard it before doesn't mean that there's not a new understanding waiting for you to create. Today, as we celebrate our burning bowl ceremony, it is a ceremony that's probably the newest tradition in our unity churches worldwide. It is thought that it was developed most likely by Reverend Sue Seeking in California in the 1960s. A new way to help people visualize or experience the process of letting go to be prepared to receive the new. Now, Charles Fillmore did speak of that. He spoke of the transforming power of divine life. Something I learned in my years of doing this service in Unity settings was the fact that some that were from a traditional background like I was, we had heard an awful lot about hellfire, the fires of hell that destroy. And I started noticing people were coming forward to this ceremony, this image of transforming fire, and they were approaching it like the fires of hell, that they were throwing some thought some emotion, some experience of their life into the fire to be destroyed. And I begin to think it's very important how we approach this image. Charles Fillmore called it the holy fire that consumes, releases all that is not true about you and your experience and your world. Denial letting go of what is not true. And then you realize the fire is welling up within you as eternal life. So Charles was taking an image and trying to portray the transforming fire in a very positive way. That it is the truth 
within you, the Christ within you, the divine spark within you, that we outpicture here in the burning bowl as a fire. It helps you to release what is not true, what is over. And then it is the power, the heat, the life that wells up in you as the new, the new vision, the new hope, the new possibility. So the image of the fire is not to be approached as a destroying element. It is the power within you, the divine within you, that transforms the old, what it is time to let go, to release, to forgive, and transforms that energy. Many times over my years with you, I have mentioned the author and clinical psychologist, Dr. Maria Nima. And she really likes to work with whatever we are willing to forgive or let go in our life, releases its energy for new possibilities. She speaks in her book, we've taught it here several times, Mastering Life's Energy. She said if you clear up some old business in your life, You set that energy free to do new work for you. So today, as we approach a time to reflect, to fill out our papers that we're going to cast into the bowl of fire, I invite you to consider what emotion or thought or habit in your life is preventing you from entering this new year free excited, filled with energy and hope. Is there something holding you back? You have the opportunity through the spiritual practice of denial and release, through this outer ceremony that we create with a bowl of fire, but it is you, your spirit, doing the work that says, I'm willing to let go and take up the new. So I'm going to ask the ushers, or usherette, Lindy, to pass out these trays. You'll find a pencil in it and a piece of paper. Take one, and as those are going around, we're going to take some time for reflection. And sometimes we can get, I've done this, we can get up tight. I don't know what I need to let go. I don't know what my block is. That's the time to remember the guiding spirit within you will always reveal what is holding you back, what is clouding your thought or making your feeling life harsh. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. That's our show for this week, and a special thanks to all of our guests, including Joe McKenzie, Leibel Sternbach, Jay Hampela from AARP Minnesota, and of course you. Thank you for listening, thank you for calling, thank you for following us on Instagram, and sending your tweets through Twitter. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day is a chance for a new beginning. We'll see you next time.